everybody, and welcome back to the Tape Tech Podcast. My name is Rob Mora. Today is June 12th, 2020, obviously a Friday. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've had a podcast, and by a while, I mean maybe three weeks or so. Uh, it's been a little bit of a tumultuous time in here in Seattle, I'm not going to lie. Um, protests have been raging on across the country for the last two weeks, and here in Seattle, it has reached a little bit of a head. I just want to say that we've been supporting... Uh, those protests as much as we can. We've changed the site to make it so that there's more information on what's happening with the protests, where you can donate to bail funds. Um, Even though the protests have quieted down throughout the country, they're still raging and you should still support them. Um, People who have taken over the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone have released demands. We post those there as well. I think that the government should be able to work those out. So please, please support the protests when you can. Uh, Bandcamp Friday also happened last Friday, uh, so that would be a week ago, and we purchased a lot of music there, and we wrote a, a couple of pieces about the music that we bought. Um, Mother Moore's Club Sidra, which came out last month, experimental music, go check that out. Um, a local artist named Archie put out an EP last year that didn't receive a ton of attention, but we loved it. And then Danny Denial's record um, has come out today, so go check that out. And speaking of which... That is the person who's today's podcast we're about. It's a wonderful interview. He's a great guy, uh, basically an underground auteur. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, and make sure to check us all out at tapedeckpodcast.com. The stuff comes out on Friday. We've got content coming out through the week. And make sure to subscribe to our Patreon if you support us. Thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy this amazing interview. Thank you. Today with me on the podcast, I've got Danny Denial. He is a local Seattle musician, local Seattle filmmaker. Well, he's from LA, but he moved here about five years ago, and he's been, I'm assuming, loving it ever since? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Yay! Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This yeah. Really so you're from LA. Um, do you miss it? Do you like this city better? Like, how are we feeling here? Um... I used to be really cynical about California, and I would probably a year or two ago to say, like, absolutely not. Fuck LA forever. I was actually just saying earlier today, um, friend visiting from LA, we're talking about it, and just feeling like, feeling like uh, I kind of do miss LA a little bit. Like, I, I, I want to, when this is all over and we can travel again, I feel like I'd love to go out to LA more, I think. Um, I still do feel like Seattle has really felt like home in a way that I don't think any other city I've lived in has felt like home. Cause I've, I've lived in LA, I lived in Atlanta. I've, I've kind of moved around a lot and Seattle is the first place. Um, I mean, five years is the longest I've really been anywhere. I think in one real place. So uh, it's, it's, it's really good. It feels really stable. And um, yeah, but I do miss LA sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, I think over the last few years, Seattle has sort of moved a little closer to a, a certain California culture. Maybe the two have intermingled yeah. a little bit. I don't know. That's post-globalization for you, you know? Oh, I've totally. personally never been to L.A., but I would love to go at some point. I've heard it's really cool. I always know? say, like, if you've never been, you have to visit. That's <laughs> just, a, so it's, a, it's iconic. It's, like, by itself. Yeah. You know? And cool. the weather is just its own fucking character. Oh, man, I know. There are some days where I'll be like, I, I, I moved here over five years ago, and, and I'll be sitting here in, in the late fall or in the winter being like, God, why did I move here? God, why did I move here? And then I get used to it, but then I'm just wishing that it was a little bit sunnier like it is in LA. So mm-hmm. I can't wait. Um, okay, so first and foremost, 
We're recording this on Thursday, June 11th, but you're hearing it today, which means today is the release of Danny Denial's new solo album, Fuck Danny Denial, which, first of all, great name. Uh, it kind of makes me wish that we could say that loud. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, it's great. Um, I wish there was a comma after the end of fuck, so it'd be like, fuck, Danny Denial. Because <laughs> that's like what I get, personally. The interpretation of, like, you could read it that way. I, that's why I didn't want to, like, do any punctuation. So you could yeah. sort of just, like, is it, like, fuck him? Or is it, like, fuck, it's him? Or it's, like, <laughs> no, fuck him. Like, it's whatever like, one, you know? Yeah. I Personally, for me, having listened to it uh, over and over again over the last few days, I'm of the first, the former, or w- which one was the former? That was the one that was positive. I th- no, that was the latter. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I know is that I love this record. Um, the review's already posted on the site. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, let's talk a little bit about this album. So if I remember correctly, you had started recording this two years ago, I believe? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the beginning of this was... Um... Yeah, the, I mean, I, I started writing it two years ago. So I, I kind of took, like, after my my second record came out, Dead Like Me, um, it's funny because, like, I never really saw longevity with my solo project, um, especially since after my very first album, which was, like, out of necessity of, like, having an album and, like, you know, just getting that out. I formed Dark Smith, which was, like, in my eyes, like, you know, like, I don't know, in my eyes, I'm like, Dark Smith is just like, ah, like, I love, I love my band, and I love being in a band, and this is what I always wanted, so in a weird way, it's like, I don't need this stupid solo project, like, with my name, like, why do, why do I need this for, and I only did a second record, because um, a little over two years ago, um, this guy, Tyler, from a band called Virgo Sadness, um, asked me to record with him, and I liked his music a lot, and uh, we just did this garage album in Alabama together, and it was, I just dropped it on Bandcamp randomly one day. There was like no plan or release thing around. It was very like low key. And, uh, and it, I don't know, I guess it just like a lot of momentum all of a sudden came out of it. And I started thinking about things that I maybe want to explore solo that I wouldn't with the band. And yeah, it turned into this whole like concept album that I started writing two years ago. And then I started recording it um in the earlier part of 2019 and it's yeah it's been a whole kind of journey and it's very like with this album it's very particularly the timeline is super key because it's kind of tracking like where i was in a given year and then in 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 literally in in real time into recording it and and then kind of lots changed since then too so i can imagine um, what was the first song you recorded for this album so I I had like the track list, like in the order that it was going to be, it was all already done before recording, you know? Oh, I love that. I love putting together a track list before recording. It was super important. It was like Mercy Summit leads to this, then it leads to that, then it breaks down here. And then like, it was a whole story. I kind of treated it like the way I would a screenplay. Um, I got that listening to it. I was like, yes, this feels a little bit like a, like a, like a scene, like it's transitioning between scenes. Totally. I was, and I've always been a little worried. I wanted that to really come through. So I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that feedback. Um, but I think, honestly, I do think that Mercer Summit Block Party. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I know what it was. I, w- I went to New York to record the first songs um, with the producer. And I wanted to do it with a producer outside of my bubble because there aren't really a lot of like more like pop oriented producers that I know of. And so I just thought, what if I just go full 
full out, like out of my comfort zone because I'm already there anyway. And I worked with guy, Jamie McArdle. We did, we did Am I Cool Enough for Your Love first only because I was really familiar with the structure of it and I'd kind of like nailed all the parts of the song I really wanted down. Whereas Mercer Summit, Block Party and Conditioner, those are the three songs from that session, were a little bit more like finding... I had foundation tracks on the acoustic guitar, but I didn't really pin down all the sounds I wanted. Um, I just done a bunch of like fake demos in GarageBand with my foundation tracks and taken them and just played it for him. Like, hey, this is, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, I want to start with the guitar, build the synth. Oh, sorry, start with the beat and then build the guitar, the synth. Um, and it was such an experiment because again, like I've always... Even my solo project, I've always written and, and recorded with a band in a band context. So it was super weird to actually do it like a solo artist. Um, and once we got away from those songs I and we got into like the band lineups, I got way more comfortable again. Um, but there were some cool moments that really came out of the New York sessions though. Um, I did those three songs first. And then the same week I met with another producer that I was connected with a friend named Bibbs and we did I'm Not Your Type. And, and um, yeah, so I kind of came back to Seattle with like half the record. And then I had another half that was going to be way harder to do because I wanted to incorporate features by like 10 different musicians. Yeah, I can imagine. I have a question about that song, actually, I'm Not Your Type. I noticed that you sampled two whole songs. Where exactly did the samples come in? Like, how were the samples used, I guess? Yeah, that that song's really funny because I I basically thought to myself, like, um, I was listening to a lot of, like, local local pop and hip-hop and, like, machete and, like, just really, like, like, clashing things together in a way that's syncopated, which I thought was super fucking cool and, like, grimy. Um, So I just thought, I was listening to Hole and I just thought, like, Courtney loves just breathing sounds and screaming sounds could make a really cool chopped up beat. And that's and what formed the, okay, I so see. I, I went in GarageBand and just took pieces of, so she's, she's, she's breathing. And I think it's, it's one of like their earliest songs. Like, um, I think it's Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Jones. It's Mrs. Jones, I think. Mrs. Jones. Yeah. And she's just like breathing and at the end of the song and then, I didn't quite get the scream that I wanted from her in that song. So then I, 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 I think I took a scream from like Turpentine where she's just like, yeah. And yeah. Just, and that's what, oh, it's so good. I love that song for that very reason. And it feels like, yeah, the two go together. And the, the, my favorite part of that song is like, Bibbs was super easy and awesome to work with. He was really, really, really like game for anything. But when we did that song, we like finished the beat that I like, had wanted to put together. And he looks at me and like all the pieces are together. He looks at me and he goes, is this good? Like, does this sound good to you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I guess it must be a Seattle thing. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I don't think this sounds listenable. And, and, uh, and I, that's when I realized, okay, that's great. And then we did Scorpio Eyes next. And he was just like, we did Scorpio Eyes. And he was like, this is a good song. Like this, is, <laughs> come on. Like, this is really nice. But, but it's, such, it's a total sensibility thing, you know, like, I wanted to do pop music in a way that was like really like ugly and like really kind of like my my vibe, you know? So that song is probably the one the one moment where I think I like succeeded in it. So I feel good about that song a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal accompli- accomplishment, I would say. Something about it's very unique on the record, 
but it yeah. also makes a lot of sense. Like I, I hesitate to see to find a song that uses like that weird syncopated swing beat and then mixes into a four four beat. It's almost like two different bifurcated parts that are sewn together that still makes so much sense. I don't know. It's totally. yeah, and, I love and, that song. And I credit Bibbs to that because he was really intuitive in in and really willing to be counterintuitive too with it. Um, yeah, he just he he was really awesome in kind of building that with me. Um, and then on top of it, like getting, I knew I wanted to have a feature on it and then coming back to Seattle and, you know, asking Christy do normal, like, would you be into doing this song? And, and she was just like, so game for it and wrote this really cool, my, it's my favorite verse in the whole record. Um, and it's just really cool. Like having another artist interpret and in, interpret or reinterpret your own atmosphere that you kind of set up. Um, I've never worked with someone quite like that before. And it was really cool to see it, how our two pieces fit together. And it was her idea to do the, the moment in the pre-chorus where she keeps singing and I kind of come back in with the pre-chorus. It's so good. Moment. You know, it's, you're right. She has such a great musical sensibility, you know, She's because favorite, I like, I will go on record and say like, Dinner Mall is my favorite rapper of all time. Like I, <laughs> I with her daughter all the time. Like it's, it's, there's something about her energy. She just, it's like, it's, it's both like ominous, but like relaxed. And like playful almost a little bit. Totally. Like like Yippie where it's just like, 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 like stoner pop. It's just, there's, there's so many different, like. It's so unique. uh, Yeah. And she, and she kind of crosses into so many lanes just mm-hmm. effortlessly. And I think that's why I knew if I knew that she would be game to just like jump on a song with me, because I think a lot of people might've been a little like, uh, what am I going to do on your song? You know what I mean? Don't you make like, don't you make like, like rock music? Or like, like, you yeah. Know what I mean? uh-huh. Just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do anything. I'll, yeah. Let's Fuck do it. Yeah. I cannot wait for the world at large to figure out about do normal. Cause the moment that I, that I really, really fell in love with her. Cause I was aware of her for since like 2019 when I started doing this mm-hmm. and I listened to her songs. This is great. And then a few months ago she put out wannabe and I was like, oh wow, that song is fucking the moment, like during the chorus where she just gets faster. Like the, the, the syllables get closer and closer together. Like it's mm-hmm. a Leslie rotor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wannabe? yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. That song is so good. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, I love Dorna so much. I've been hearing it live from her for a while. And when she finally released it, I was like, finally. Which, yeah. you know, that's a sign of something really exciting when it's it's just so thrilling to hear something that you've seen in pieces, like now like out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Right. Level. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny. Sometimes I'll listen to an artist as an aside, but I'll listen to an artist live and they'll have new material and I'll be like, wow, that's so cool. And then they'll release a studio version of it. And to me, it goes one way or the other. Sometimes it's like, they fucking killed this studio. Like, this is a whole new interpretation. And then sometimes it's like, I actually missed this when it was live. There's something about this that's kind of muted. I don't know. Normally, I find it's of the former quality. Yeah, totally. And then you wonder, like, is it because of of everything? Just used to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I have... uh, So if you'll allow someone who did not make this art to provide an interpretation because i know that's stupid but for me personally when i was listening to this um despite the fact that that it operates very much like an album released in 2020 where it blends a lot of moods and genres and you know i hate that term post-internet but it does feel like it doesn't really have any boundaries 
There's mm-hmm. something kind of vintage about this particular record. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's the aesthetics mm. of it. Um, it's the way that it re- recalls like the, the, like the golden age of like new queer cinema, you mm. know, cause I know that you used that, um, that clip from Gregoraki's totally fucked up and then you named a song after it. Yeah. And it's got like that weird, like, kind of it, it's not a lo-fi record but it has the quality of like a handheld camcorder like you know you know something about it's organic like that totally. and, and yeah. i actually did this thing when i was recording the record that you actually just reminded me about but i i'd uh i made an effort i i i in my solo music i've never really played with samples at all so this was like my whole my my, my project where i could just fuck with samples all i want you know and I remember I made a conscious decision, like I just want to pull samples specifically like from the 80s and 90s, you know, like have them like nothing that's recent at all. Like everything from like the Princess Diana interviews to like Power Rangers clips to like Greg Araki films. And even in White Tears, Fake Queers, there's the, there's a monologue from But I'm a Cheerleader, you know, underneath it. It's kind of hard to do. I just kind of definitely doused the whole thing in a lot of um yeah like relics of of that time and i can't even say exactly why that is i i don't know review but to me this feels like a seattle record something about it is just whether or not it's the musicianship or just aesthetically what i'm hearing it's just very like it sounds to me kind of overcast you know Maybe it is the samples as well, but I think that that kind of vintage feeling, hearing a uh, a film like that being quoted, or hearing these certain things coming mm-hmm. together, I think, and the Seattle aesthetic, or at least the Seattle aesthetic that that a lot of people are aware of, I think, is is part of that era, you know, that early '90s era. So that's what I'm getting personally. I, and you know, totally. I, in, in a lot of ways, I think with this record, I it's really easy to see all the influences that I've been direct, like just been directly kind of like hit by just over these specifically these couple of years, because I think my first two albums were definitely more of a reference to kind of everything that I grew up, like, you know, just loving and admiring and kind of absorbing. And I think with this record in particular, um, I totally was super inspired by Do Normal and Machete and Rat Queen and a lot of the bands who feature on it, which is the reason why they're featured. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, yeah, it's like a combination of that and meets like, all of this kind of nostalgic kind of um you know landscaping yeah so yeah now that now that you say that i I definitely see uh how that reads for sure Mm -hmm. yeah um let's talk about uh filmmaking for a second because you've been a filmmaker or at least you've released films before i saw the one for those of you don't know um danny released a uh an independent film last year called kill me to death um, which I haven't watched all of it. I've seen clips and I've seen the trailer. Looks really great for an independent film. It looks fucking great. It's not uh, technically released. Like it's not. It hasn't been. Was it yet. just the festival? It's been in. Fe- yeah, it was festivals, and we did a screening for dinners over. But uh, I actually do have. Uh, I, I. It's not public yet, but it is coming to a uh, a streaming site. Um, oh fuck later. yeah! Yeah, which is really cool. Um, it's kind of it's one of the million things going on, but it's uh, called. And I think it's okay to say this because it's like confirmed. They have it's not announced yet, but I think it's okay to share it. Okay. But um, it's called Reverie. It's a it's one of the first um, all queer streaming sites um, that I think 
partnered with Comcast and is available on, uh, it's available online and in, in, in subscriber, uh, subscription based, but it's also available, um, you know, direct TV and, and Comcast as well, but I'm pretty stoked on it. Fuck um, yeah. Reverie. Is it called like the word reverie? L-E-V-R-Y. Yeah. L-E-V. Oh, how do you spell it? Sorry. R-E-V-R-Y. R-E-V-R-Y. Reverie. Reverie. Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited. Cool. Yeah, That'll be I know. interesting. I'll, I'll link you when it's when it's out. I am not terribly familiar with a lot of uh, queer film and media. I used to be a film buff in high school, but I wasn't out until college, so I wasn't a huge. But I uh, I have seen at least like a little bit, I guess. You know, and I need to be more. I've seen Paris is Burning. You know, just common queer films, but not necessarily like queer films like Greg Araki films, which are more encased in like a specific type of like american lifestyle you know so uh yeah i was about to see that was my next question i was about to ask is that what are some of your favorite filmmakers or filmmakers that have inspired you i guess because greg araki's got to be one of them greg araki forever like i just like all my life i just i'm like trying to get his attention it's very obvious like i just feel like i keep like <laughs> um i I even have a tattoo of um, the alien Roscoe from nowhere and me and my friend Grayson, who's an artist in LA, we went to a screening of nowhere uh, at the dirty, dirty sightings festival that they have. It's a, it's a really cool queer festival in LA. It's really awesome. And uh, James Duvall was there and uh, I showed him my tattoo and he was like really stoked on it. And um, he took a picture and it was, or he took, he started taking a video and he's like, we're sending this to Greg. And I'm just like, Oh, this is all I've ever wanted, and now I don't know what to say. And I'm just sitting there like, Greg, I constantly reference you all the time. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. I just feel like there, there's never been a filmmaker like him who's um, quite, like, channeled and intersected, uh, like, alienation, rage, queerness, alternative culture, and, like, aliens and, like, sci-fi. You know what I mean? It's put it all together. I just feel like his movies always felt like the only thing that understood the inside of my head. And um, and I also really dig, like, there's, I mean, it's hard because I, I, I do feel like there's this, like, severe lack of that. A lot of queer filmmakers um, don't have that same energy about them. And uh, I think, you know, I think... I think it's hard to find people who, who kind of have that s same exact um, vibe. I really do like, there's a, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the, the French Canadian filmmaker, Xavier Dolan. He's I don't believe I have. That. He was like known for doing his first film at 20 and it was kind of like he got into con and it was this whole thing. And he's been, he's done a lot of films since then. And now he's like 30. Um, but he's, he, he's really great as a very specific kind of, you know, very French, but, but uh, also, alternative queer um narratives um i like his style a lot but it's it, it still doesn't hold a candle to me to like you know the 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 awesomeness of greg Raki. um and i feel like i really like movies that are able to are able to um use music as a character and i think filmmakers sometimes like undervalue that a lot um and when they have like a really great soundtrack or you know really great score um i think there's still like this there's still kind of this division um 
and I really love that. And that was another thing. I, I, I discovered so much incredible music from Gregoraki movies. His movies actually got me into, into shoegaze music. For, oh, really? There's shoegaze in uh, Gregoraki oh, films? Oh, yeah. Like, he, there's, a, there's a slow dive and a ride song in every single Gregoraki movie. Fuck yeah. Um, I, yeah, like there, there's just been so many, so many bands that I've gotten into just through, through those films. And the way that the songs are used in the films, too. Um, so I think that's a really powerful thing. And right now, lately, I've been thinking a lot about the next things I want to do, I guess, in my life. And I've, and I would love to be able to do film in a way that works with music really intimately, um, but doesn't center myself so much is kind of what I really want to do. Um, cause with kill me to death that, you know, it, it, there was a lot of wanting to do that. But um, it was hard because because of the, the 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 nature of the film, how over ambitious that was trying to do a feature film, basically with the budget of a music video. Yeah, and uh, you know, pulling all these people together in an ensemble cast, I felt like I only cast myself in it as kind of safety. Um, I wanted someone else to play that character, but then it, it just he didn't seem like he was maybe going to be the most reliable. And I thought, okay, if I cast myself, I know I'll always show up. I don't have to pay myself. <laughs> so, you know, looking back, I just, I do, I, I don't, and I think that's kind of the weird thing about a lot of my film work and, and with the music videos and the stuff that's around my music, it just feels like, eventually it feels like a box and I just want to create worlds a bit more and use like other people's music and just kind of, uh, kind of get do more of that you know and i think greg is a really great uh example of i see yeah i think you have a good point there i so, for somebody like me somebody who's not a cinephile or or i'm not movies aren't my first go-to i guess so someone who's sort of like a noob to it when i see a film where the director is also in the film in a prominent role or the first thing i'll go to is like oh well they had a very specific vision that they wanted to enact but I think you're right. Some, a lot of the times, especially in the independent scene, it's literally out of necessity. It's just mm -hmm. like, well, I just got to cast this. I, I'm going to cast myself just so that I can get this done. And this is, I can, I can make my vision happen without having to rely on someone else to show up because he's the main okay. character, you know? It's so. not like a vanity project. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Being yeah. from LA, like I just have so much, I, I have so many friends who like had the scripts they were writing, like around themselves, you know, like the actors who like, <laughs> You know, I have my screenplay and it's going to be like my vehicle, you know, and it's just like, that's the opposite of where I'm coming from. Um, so, yeah, I've always been a little bit um, sensitive to that. Yeah, I can imagine. Music is a character, huh? That is a really fascinating concept. I think, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of movies, but I think a lot of media, specifically like Western media, does sort of use music as like a background thing where it's just like you're scoring it and then that's the music is there to supplement what's happening on screen instead of being its own thing you know where you can sort of yeah. treat what's happening or, or what's playing in the background as its own thing without it just being like oh well you know here's a romantic scene or here's a, an action scene you know so that mm -hmm. is an interesting concept i'm trying to think of movies that have done that recently and i'm coming up short a little bit I'm coming up short too. I, I definitely <laughs> once in a while there will be a really great like film that 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 does that. You know, I think. I mean, to be honest with you, I, this is kind of a little different. But like, even even like I was I was gonna say I don't know why Twin Peaks like Twi yeah 
Twin Peaks, I think, is perfect for that. You're right. Part of that, of that whole machine. Um, even in that new, like, uh, the new series. You watched the new series, right? I did. I did. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? You know, I felt like, I really liked that it felt, especially since the show kind of went off the rails in the original run anyway, when David Lynch left. I, felt, I liked that it felt like his full, unadulterated, you know, vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, at the same time, we could have, maybe we could have trimmed a couple episodes, you know? Yeah, like, it was a little indulgent. That. But the thing is, by the time we get to the last two episodes, the last episode where they really get into the Laura Palmer stuff, it felt worth it, you know? Yeah, it felt like all of that stuff was sort of, ne- not necessary, but it was more than the sum of its parts. Right. And we, and we got there, you know, like we, we got there and the payoff was, was... The payoff was so phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't remember the last time an ending of... I mean, yeah, it was just, I still think about that. It's like, oh God. Oh, I know. I want my, I want people who have seen Twin Peaks who haven't given the new season a try because they didn't have Showtime or whatever. I need to be like, you need, you got to watch this. I'll buy you the compilation. People are always asking like, oh, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And it's like. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, I I really love um, David Lynch a lot. I do, you know, I do think, I love that he just, I mean, it's just, his mind is just so fucking like it's like a black hole of all of these you know nightmarish kind of landscapes um and I, yeah i guess i guess my thing is uh it's interesting like really watching other filmmakers and kind of and in kind of their attention spans and, and the way they kind of plot and the way they pace that's that's a really like gregor rocky is always kind of just very like beat 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 sometimes his movies can feel really add you know they're, mm-hmm. they're all over and then David Lynch is kind of the opposite a lot of the times where he just sort of like goes off on these tangents and you're just like, where are we, where are we going? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love that. Like in that way, it's like filmmakers in their films are like exploring people and all those yeah. idiosyncrasies and, and you kind of have to take the sum of the parts a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, if the core, if, if there's a core there and there's, there's, something real there um you'll 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 find it you know Mm -hmm. if you kind of give it a chance have you ever watched um uh when i was a film buff in high school i really loved uh certain works by gus van sant and Mm, i remember i remember he came out with a film in the late 2000s when i was still in high school called paranoid park did you ever watch that it came out around the same time as elephant i think because yes and i was just i think it was his first film i ever watched I didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see it Idaho until later. Um, so I saw Elephant first, and I was just like, ooh, what is this? Uh-huh. I have a special place in my heart for Elephant, even though it's been a long time since I've seen it. Same. So I don't think I've watched it since I was a literal teenager. Like, I don't well, think I've watched, yeah. I think that film was meant for teenagers, because you watch it, and the movie, I mean, if people haven't seen Elephant, it's a movie about, it's like Gus Van Sant, not exactly explaining why Columbine happened, but like sort of providing an alternate universe that's very similar to why Columbine happened. That yeah. like it's it's sort of like a it's hard to explain, you know. But it's like it it takes the perspective of different kids and then sort of lets you draw your own conclusions. Like he throws a little bit of a of a hint that here and there, but it's one of those things where it feels like it doesn't have any answers. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager, I think that's that's that idea is very appealing. Because you're at that point where you're you're starting to run into situations that don't have easy answers, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I really loved that film when I was a kid. 
you know, just the just not yeah. necessarily the nihilism of it, but like, you know, and not even the shock value really. It's just the way it was filmed and how it it sort Absolutely. of challenged that. Yeah, the challenging of beliefs. I really love that film. I think that was the first time I've ever experienced that films. I, I guess maybe instead of going to films for escapism, instead kind of watching a film that felt so real. It was holding a mirror. Yeah. And, you know, just, yeah, it definitely changed the way I, I, at the time, you know, it was so long ago, but I just remember it really impacting me a lot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he put out a record called uh, Paranoid Park. I mean, record. I haven't think too much about music. Um, <laughs> he put out an album, uh, fuck, a movie called Paranoid Park. And uh, it stars, I mean, what Gus Van Sant will do, and I guess he had casting directors who do as well, is he'll cast... Uh, he'll cast actors that don't haven't taken acting roles. Like he'll have like maybe one or two people. In this case, I think it was yeah. Taylor Momsen from a uh, gossip girl. And I think it was oh, maybe someone yeah. else. Yeah, I forget she was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone else was, were just like people from the local high school. And, uh, and it was a film about like a, a teenager who sees like, who was who like being a delinquent one day he's on like the train tracks and then a security guard chases him down and then the train runs the security guard over and he gets cut in half and then he has to like live with that um right. and that movie is also very similar to like it has sort of not necessarily an ADD-ness but it moves very slowly similarly to elephant and there's like this dream like feel to it that elephant had as well and i, I totally recommend it yeah. You know, I, I, I know for sure I've seen it. It's funny because I, I, I was seeking out more of his work at the time. And now that you're talking about the accident, I'm remembering this movie. But I don't – maybe I, I'll go back and rewatch it because I don't remember it well. So I, I've got to go back and give it a watch. I think a lot of Gus Van Sant's worth is worth rewatching. There was a movie he came out with a few years ago that I think bombed so hard. I forget what it was called. It was about, like, Aokigahara the uh, Japanese mm. suicide first and uh, oh, it okay. starred oh I forget who it starred oh, but it was just or the woods or something I'm thinking yeah it was like the tree the, the, the tree the sky of trees or whatever mm -hmm. I think it was, it was called and I heard it was terrible I didn't watch it yeah you know, I know Gus Van Zandt seems to have just gotten really big and just you know just going going a lot bigger in studio with his films which is well after Goodwill Hunting right yeah, you know it's, in the, of, of like the last yeah the last like 10 years for sure like I feel like he, or ever since I think and milk, was milk after that? Did he do? Oh, that's right. He did do milk, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did milk. Yeah, he's done a lot of larger, high-profile projects. I think, which yeah, maybe sometimes why I don't relate to him so much. But that's I do bringing me really back. Connect with a specific period of his career. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see Last Days? I did. Yeah. Um, what a strange but, film. I mean, that's really a Gus Van Sant to Yeah. So what a strange film. You know, I think we're about out of time. Okay. I have, yeah. guess I have one more question for you, and you've yeah. sort of already started talking about it, but uh, what's next from here? So are you thinking of maybe doing another album, maybe starting up Dark Smith again? I don't know if it, you stopped it, but if you're doing that... Yeah, you know, we, we, we definitely not... We, we're, we're active. It's just with coronavirus, we're just sort of... Um, yeah, put on hold for a second. Sort of, yeah, yeah. We definitely you know, want to not rush back into like, playing again. Um, right now, I've just been really, honestly, I've just been really inspired by everything that's going on right now and just mm -hmm. being really, which is, again, the weird timing of this whole album coming out because I, my, my, I feel like my heart is kind of in, um, all of the movement happening just politically right now, yeah. which is very new to me because I think I've, I found in, in part of coming back to 
who I am and what I believe. And I think I, I realized that I sort of lost it a little bit. And, and, and it's kind of exciting to be finding my voice again and how to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, I think the next step would be finding how to do that in, in art, you know? Uh, and I think, I think for me, I would really love to do more like film uh, projects that could be directly um, just on, like on a, unapologetically just political. I think with Death Heads USA, I have a lot of, I think that was kind of an inkling of kind of what I wanted to do more of. And uh, I actually have a couple of concepts and things that are spun out of that kind of vein that I would like to try to explore doing and finding finding some financing for. Um, and yeah, and then musically, I think I've been kind of on a roll, like, like a tear of just like doing like the albums out and then I write the next one, you know, it's kind of been that process. And with this third one coming out, I'm sort of, I haven't really been immediately like writing something musically. Um, so I think, I think we, we may have some new stuff with Dark Smith maybe later on in the year, early next year, but I think this might be um, a little bit of a break before more solo stuff. Uh, but I do feel like the next solo thing that I do, I think, um, I think it's probably, it's probably going to go, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I'd probably go into the more, uh, extreme political territory. Um, that's just really exciting me right now. I, I, and I'm really, um, and also in a way that maybe depending on how things, I guess, shake out in the world, um, may have some new perspective, I guess. Um, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a weirdly, um, confusing, but really inspiring time. Yeah. So, you know, I think yeah. as unconscionable and horrific as the circumstances were, uh, the fact that all of these protests are happening and and all of the the rapid change and the radicalization that's happening right now, you know, and I think it is inspiring a lot of people. It's inspiring really all of us that we can get back into it. You know, like we've I think we had a, a, a little bit of a lull period for a long time where we were like, well, you know, we're stuck in this loop. Nothing's ever going to change, you know, and and now. Yeah, with with all these extraordinary circumstances all happening at the same time now, it's I mean it's anxious, it's anxiety inducing for sure, but it's also extremely exciting to be like, wow, I can actually do this. Like we're in a new period, and it's time to start expressing things in a way that might change people's minds about stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. And in a weird way, I mean, it, it may be uh, like preemptive or too early, but it just it, it almost feels like like a shedding of the old world a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm super. I'm super excited about just kind of the next, I mean, in any case, I'm definitely, I think regardless of what happens, I'm, I'm definitely going to be really inspired by this time that I'm living through right now. And this kind of um, like, yeah, just being able to harness my own energy and voice and power. And um, I, I definitely feel like some, some awesome stuff will come out of it, you know? Fuck so yeah. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good actually. Excellent is new <laughs> so <laughs> yay oh i'm so excited to hear it I'm, yeah. and i'm excited to hear whatever you come out with uh because i'm you consider myself a fan now so. thank you so much you're welcome yeah, i have a couple of more uh visual stuff for this album to kind of come out like throughout um we kind of did the video as a seven part like a seven part thing and yeah. then of course there's this longer visual to go with it so yeah uh, it's, there's like a short film called conditioner i think that's yeah, yeah. it's 
so it was supposed to I was we were gonna release it for pride but I I want to hold off a little bit and I think it's I think it's fine because again like you know album will still be out when you know um you know things uh settle a little bit but yeah it's a 30 minute basically what I wanted to do instead of death heads where it was like this this um like mini opera narrated by music uh instead it's like a short film with like dialogue and all that kind of stuff um and then the music is sort of like present in different ways like they're playing in a bedroom a speaker on a laptop or playing in a club or um yeah it's being played an acoustic guitar just like idly in a scene so it was yeah it was a it was a definitely more more ambitious and it was a lot of fun but it definitely is uh not not the vibe right now so i'm kind of just holding it later in the summer and you know we'll drop it at some point i think that's a cool idea i think i think you're pretty much right on the money so maybe like late july august perhaps yeah yeah if you saw if you saw the everything is terrible video that actually that was some scenes from it so basically the premise is just like crazy insane like mind-altering new year's eve party where there's this mysterious blue pill that can essentially give you an entirely new persona and life and you know uh, space so my character takes this pill that takes him out of this horrible you know um heartbreaking you know drunken night and then lands him in this weird dream state where he works in an office and uh and that's i i just repurposed the scenes from the office as a video of everything's terrible basically so yeah, it's not. It's it's hard. It's it, it's uh it's kind of stripped of its context, but um it shares some of the same visuals. Fuck yeah! Well, I can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely. I'll keep you in the loop. Fuck yeah, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Danny Denial, everybody, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, go check out Fuck Danny Denial, which comes out, I guess, today. Yeah. Because it's coming out today. Um, and uh, and check out all of his other work. Check out um. Dead as uh shit. What was the name of your previous? <laughs> uh, dead, dead like me. Was dead like, like me. Okay, I used the wrong simile. Um, no, and uh, and check out uh, Deathheads USA. I believe is the, uh, yes. the visual. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Cool. I'm getting it right. And uh, and when <laughs> Kill Me to Death comes out on Reverie, go check that yeah. out. For sure. And also check out everything on tapedeckpodcast.com. We got stuff that comes out on Friday. Uh, the content will be moving up as we get out of the sanctious period. Um, I'll always be writing up more stuff. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Danny, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been really, really, really cool. Excellent. It's cool to talk to you finally. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we will see you guys next time. Take care. Stay safe out there.